Welcome to the Aerospace Engineering Podcast. My name is Reiner Groh, Research Fellow of the Royal Academy of Engineering, and on this podcast I have conversations with aerospace pioneers about new technologies at the cutting edge of aerospace design research. Special thanks go to my supporters on Patreon who make this podcast possible. If you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast and would like to support it, then head over to patreon.com forward slash aerospace. There are multiple levels of support, but pledging even a dollar an episode is highly appreciated. Thanks for your support. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. 32 minutes past the hour. Liftoff on Apollo 11. Houston, uh... Today I'm speaking with Sergei Kizelyev, the head of Europe of the sustainable aviation company ZeroAvia. ZeroAvia is working on the first practical zero-emission aviation powertrain fueled by hydrogen. Even though CO2 emissions of the aviation industry currently only account for 2-3% of the global output, passenger numbers are expected to grow continuously for the next 30 years such that solutions transitioning to emission-free powertrains need to be formulated, tested, and certified now. ZeroAvia has developed a new powertrain that couples hydrogen gas with a fuel cell to drive an electric motor that spins a propeller. This zero-emission powertrain currently promises to deliver a 300-mile zero-emission range in a 10-seater fixed-wing aircraft. One of the great things about ZeroAvia is that the company is taking advantage of the economics of renewable energy sources. Due to the intermittency of solar and wind energy, there are times when the electric output from renewable sources far outstrips demand and is therefore cheaply available. It is in these times of high supply that ZeroAvia can split water into its constituents, oxygen and hydrogen. So in this episode of the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, Sergey and I talk about how ZeroAvia got started and what the company is trying to achieve, ZeroAvia's vision of emission-free regional travel, the ZeroAvia powertrain, and much, much more. I hope you learn as much as I did from this episode. And now, without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Sergei Kizelyev. Sergei, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you. Um, so before we dive into your company, Zero Avia, and talking about uh, clean electric uh, or clean uh, aviation, I just wanted to ask you how you actually got into aerospace engineering and how your career has evolved to where you are today. So my path to, um, to aerospace engineering was uh, quite uh, convoluted and, uh, and long. Um, I am coming here from uh, uh, electrical vehicle industry. I worked uh, with the founder and CEO of, uh, uh, of Zero Avia uh, in uh, his previous startup, mm -hmm. uh, which was called uh, eMotorWorks, which uh, we sold uh, uh, a bit more than two years ago to, uh, um, to a large um, uh, Italian uh, energy company, which is called uh, NL. And uh, after two years at NL, um, uh, I decided to join uh, uh, Zero Avia, where I am currently as a head of uh, uh, Europe. Oh, very interesting. So I guess your your background in yeah electrification and, and changing the way we travel actually stems back to the automotive industry. Very interesting. So tell me a little bit more about Zero Avia. So how did the company start? Um, you know, where is it based, and uh, what have you set out to achieve? 
So Zero Avia was created uh, a bit more than two years ago in uh, California. And uh, one of the reasons uh, why in California is because our founder and CEO is, um, uh, lives in California. And uh, he is uh, a pilot uh, of both the fixed wing and the rotor uh, aircraft. And uh, at the time when uh, it was uh, clear that uh, we will uh, proceed with uh, selling our previous startup, there was a question about uh, what to do next. And uh, one of the, um, uh, I guess, him being uh, a pilot, uh, it was quite natural uh, to switch into the um, uh, aviation. And... Um, uh, aviation plus uh, the sustainability uh, passion, which uh, all of us had. Uh, I think it was uh, it was uh, uh, quite uh, natural that uh, uh, we uh, uh, work in the zero emission aviation. Then uh, there were uh, a few different uh, ideas, and um, uh, of course everybody was uh, uh, at that time uh, already thinking about electrification of the aviation to. Uh, um, minimize um, uh, emissions uh, from the industry and it was clear that uh, uh, you cannot uh, uh, solve uh, big uh, issues uh, which uh, are uh, which the industry is facing uh, with uh, with the just the batteries uh, because of the weight and the range uh, which uh, and therefore the range which uh, can be achieved with uh, with the battery uh, backed uh, uh, powertrain. So uh, that's when uh, uh, the idea of uh, using hydrogen as, uh, as a propulsion uh, came. And uh, uh, we uh, selected uh, as a test bed uh, uh, a small aircraft uh, which is uh, uh, available in the market. Uh, it's a six-seater Piper uh, um, Matrix. And uh, we started to work, uh, as I said, about two years ago on, uh, uh, on creating the first uh, practical zero emission um, uh, aircraft. Okay, very nice. So before we kind of like look at the details of that, uh, the modifications that you've done to that Piper aircraft, could you just tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the stats behind the CO2 emissions? So why is the sustainable development such a big deal for, you know, kind of the transportation sector in general, but also, you know, in this case, of course, for the aviation sector. So how is, you know, kind of like this, are the CO2 emissions projected to grow over the next couple of decades? So CO2 emissions uh, from the aviation sector is actually an interesting, uh, uh, interesting thing, because uh, uh, if you look at the uh, share of, uh, of emissions from aviation, it's uh, a, a couple of percent now give or take about two and a half percent. So uh, uh, given the trajectory of the industry uh, that uh, I guess let's put uh, the coronavirus uh, aside, <laughs> but, uh, but people are traveling. People will travel more and more and more and uh, the trajectory at least you know pre-coronavirus uh, 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 showed that uh, if we in the aviation uh, sector don't do anything and uh, the rest of the industrial sectors actually will do um, what they're supposed to do. Uh, the, the share of aviation will go from this 2.5% to 25%. Mm -hmm. And this is a huge number. And uh, if you look at, uh, at what uh, uh, 
different airlines uh, committed. Uh, they say that uh, by 20 different companies, of course, uh, say different, but uh, roughly 2030, 2040, 2050, uh, they will uh, reach the uh, net zero emissions. But uh, uh, actually, about uh, half or third of them are not the real measures. Uh, they are the offsetting, utilizing the offsetting mechanisms uh, uh, for the um, uh, zero emission. For example, by uh, planting, uh, planting up the trees, or um, um, building uh, uh, solar or wind parks. So this type of measures, okay? And uh, nobody really looked at uh, how do we achieve uh, the complete zero emissionness of the, uh, of the uh, aviation. And uh, uh, actually, uh, if, you, if you talk to the opinion makers in the industry, uh, they all say that hydrogen might be the solution uh, for the both uh, short-haul and uh, long-haul uh, air travel, at least uh, to the distance, uh, let's say, 7,000 uh, 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 miles. Okay. So, uh, as you've just mentioned, and what I've seen from your website, is that Zero Avia is currently focusing on you know, addressing this issue of CO2 emissions by focusing on short-haul flights. Um, could you, you know, maybe present the case of why you're why you're doing that? Why do you think that focusing on the short haul flights has um, has could have a large impact? So we started uh, with the short haul flights uh, first of all because we say um, in our DNA we have the practicality in the first place, and uh, what it means is that uh, we wanted to uh, have the shortest possible path to demonstrate it, uh, the zero emission, uh, the possibility of the zero emission flight. And uh, uh, showing uh, something on the order of uh, a few hundred uh, miles uh, travel uh, is uh, possible by converting the existing uh, airframe. Uh, in our case, we started with the six-seater, uh, seat, uh, as I said, six-seater um, uh, Piper. Uh, M350 and uh, converting it into uh, uh, into the hydrogen electric uh, uh, aircraft and uh, uh, we starting uh, with uh, with this airframe because uh, it's uh, uh, it's it has a good track record it exists for a long time uh, and uh, uh, we understand uh, uh, how to uh, actually convert it now uh, when uh, we demonstrate uh, the uh, the possibility of this uh, um, uh, three to five hundred uh, uh, mile travel using uh, uh, purely hydrogen, then uh, our roadmap um, uh, on the, on our roadmap we have the conversion of the 19-seater aircraft, which uh, already has some commercial significant commercial uh, application uh, for the. Uh, regional uh, airlines, uh, which have uh, uh, short uh, short flights between, for example, islands or remote areas uh, where uh, the big aircraft uh, uh, are not, uh, um, let's call it, uh, usable or <laughs> utilizable. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, now, if we go into uh, the larger aircraft, 
the question there is, what is the technology? Even if we, we think about hydrogen, what is the technology um, um, uh, to uh, actually convert the existing, uh, uh, let's say, 100 plus sitter uh, 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 to hydrogen? And uh, we understand that uh, for this, we need to use uh, 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 significantly different uh, components. So, for example, we need to go from the fuel cell to uh, maybe the high temperature fuel cell uh, or even uh, turbines utilizing hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And uh, also, instead of using uh, pretty much off the shelf available components uh, for the storage, uh, we're using uh, uh, compressed hydrogen gas uh, stored at uh, 350 bar, uh, we might need to go to uh, cryogenic, to liquid the hydrogen. Mm -hmm. And that is uh, the technology which uh, needs to, uh, to have a quite significant uh, development cycle. Okay? Mm -hmm. So we see that uh, it's, uh, it will be practical uh, maybe in, uh, in about uh, 10 years from now. Okay. okay, that's why we started with uh, with the short haul um, uh, uh, airframes uh, up to 19 seater, and uh, uh, working our way all the way up to uh, uh, significantly high uh, larger aircraft. Okay, yeah, that makes absolute sense to kind of like scale up the technology. Um, so I'm just wondering, so what is the reasoning behind using hydrogen? So why is hydrogen such a promising fuel to use? So hydrogen, uh, if you think about this, it's, uh, it can be, um, it is one of the uh, propellant or energy, uh, uh, energy media which can be uh, produced with zero emission. Mm -hmm. And uh, now then uh, there is a lot of renewables uh, uh, which, is, uh, uh, which is installed uh, everywhere in the, in the world and the prices uh, uh, which are going down. Uh, we understand that uh, hydrogen can complement uh, the, uh, the, the, the propagation of renewable power generation across, across the globe. And the reason why is because um, if you think about uh, a renewable power generation, the sun shines during the day, the wind uh, uh, blows when it blows, but the electricity demand might not be there when uh, the renewable power generation is, uh, um, or renewable electricity is produced. So therefore, uh, there are times in the energy system when the prices, when this electricity is not need needed and the prices of electricity just go down to zero or even to the negative territory. And these be become very convenient times for us to, 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 to produce hydrogen. Out of renewables, which is not uh, needed in the energy system, but uh, um, you know, convert, uh, uh, use, uh, um, uh, use electricity, this electricity and water in electrolyzer to, to, to produce hydrogen, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is, uh, this is uh, probably uh, the main idea why uh, actually hydrogen is uh, on the agenda. The second uh, point is that uh, hydrogen actually is one of the most uh, um, energy dense uh, materials from the uh, energy per kilogram. Mm -hmm. So it's roughly 3.5 uh, 
times uh, more energy dense than uh, uh, existing um, um, uh, fuel for the airplanes. Okay. Of course, you know there is an issue with the density uh, in terms of um, you know uh, in terms of the um, energy per uh, uh, per volume, uh, but that's uh, that that's a different question. But Again, there is a lot of uh, a lot of electricity. There there is a lot of uh, free electricity or you know cheap electricity coming to market. Renewable electricity, which will produce hydrogen, which will be uh, uh, utilized uh, in uh, uh, in the aircraft. Okay, yeah, makes absolute sense. So I guess there's also. Uh, benefits in terms of uh, emissions, because I guess, you know, the ultimate goal is to have sustainable, clean aviation. So what are some of the benefits in terms of emissions? So if this is purely hydrogen, there's no carbon atoms associated with it, so there can't be any CO2. Um, but, you know, are there also cost reductions apart from just the emission reductions? So if we, if you speak about the emissions, yes, indeed, uh, the uh, byproduct of the uh, of uh, the electricity generation from hydrogen is water vapors. Uh, the, there is uh, uh, not uh, a uniform uh, opinion about uh, uh, what is going to happen if uh, a lot of water vapors uh, introduced uh, in the air in uh, in the form of contrails, for example, when the uh, when the plane is um, uh, is in the air, so there might be some uh, second order effect on uh, uh, on emissions, mm -hmm. okay, or uh, on the green greenhouse uh, uh, effect. But uh, of course, there will be no emissions in, uh, except for water. And in terms of costs, were, were there were, were there other like there benefits to changing from a kind of like carbon based fuel to a hydrogen based fuel? Yeah, in terms of uh, costs, uh, our estimates, if you put everything together, the cost of uh, uh, electricity, uh, the cost of producing uh, hydrogen from the uh, electrolyzer, uh, the uh, fueling infrastructure, uh, we understand that uh, the cost uh, to, the, uh, to the operator will be uh, up to 40% uh, lower using uh, our hydrogen powertrain than the conventional stock engine of the of the aircraft. Of course, you know these numbers uh, have a lot of assumptions, and uh, they can be, uh, uh, you know, uh, they, they they differ uh, depending on, uh, for example, uh, the cost of oil or the price of oil, uh, which uh, is as you saw uh, recently again because of the virus, uh, they drop uh, they drop down by almost factor of two. Uh, but uh, roughly, uh, again, uh, for the pre-corona times, uh, we we had about 40% um, uh, uh, improvement in terms of the direct cost for the uh, for the operator. All right. So, how is the then the hydrogen actually used um, as a power source? Source. So, you, you talked about modifying a Piper aircraft. So, what have you done to the powertrain so that it can? run on um, on hydrogen? Did you develop an entirely new powertrain or did you modify an existing one? How how have you actually gone about, you know, storing the hydrogen and then using it to uh, to power an engine? Uh, the current or the existing, the stock engine is um, um, 
is just uh, the, the standard uh, piston engine, right? Mm -hmm. So what we had to do was we completely, uh, we, took, uh, we took this uh, uh, engine off, okay? Mm -hmm. And uh, replaced it with, uh, uh, with uh, a purely electrical, uh, uh, electrical engine, which consists of uh, electrical motor, uh, high power inverters, and uh, the um, uh, fuel cell, mm -hmm. which is connected to the hydrogen tanks. So in a nutshell, this is, uh, this is it, very simple, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, out of the uh, existing um, uh, powertrain, we didn't use, uh, we don't use uh, pretty much anything uh, in, the, uh, in, in the existing aircraft, okay? Uh, the beauty of uh, uh, this, uh, uh, electrical powertrain is that uh, uh, in terms of the weight uh, uh, characteristics, we are pretty much uh, on par uh, with the stock engine. Therefore, the replacement of, uh, of that with the electrical uh, uh, drivetrain was, uh, uh, was uh, uh, actually pretty much uh, uh, didn't cause us any, any problems with weight and balances, which are pretty critical for the aircraft. Right? Yeah. Uh, the the biggest issue, of course, uh, is uh, the storage of uh, of hydrogen. And uh, for the maiden flights, uh, uh, we are using the uh, hydrogen storage tanks uh, placed inside of the aircraft. There is enough space uh, actually for uh, uh, for both the pilots and uh, uh, and the storage. Okay, but uh, going forward, uh, of course, we would need to. Uh, significantly redesign um, certain uh, parts of the aircraft. So, for example, uh, place uh, uh, storage uh, uh, infrastructure on the wings or under the wings mm -hmm. to actually have uh, enough uh, storage space for the uh, for the tanks. Uh, just uh, to give you the example of the dimensions, uh, each uh, of the storage tank uh, tanks has. Uh, about uh, uh, one plus meter in length and about uh, uh, 60 centimeters in diameter. So they're quite uh, quite big barrels, uh, yeah. if you think about this. So uh, did I understand you correctly that in, currently in the small aircraft, the Piper aircraft, you're storing the hydrogen tank in the cockpit with the pilot, and then that perhaps then as you scale up to a larger aircraft, that you would then do what is currently done and move the fuel into the wings. Did that did I understand that correctly? Yes, uh, yes, exactly. We are using the cockpit to store the hydrogen tanks uh, uh, for the smaller uh, aircraft for the test uh, uh, for the test bed uh, of the hydrogen propulsion. But uh, for the uh, for the next generation, for the 19-seater, for example, we will need to do uh, certain uh, different provisions. As I said, uh, for example, putting uh, putting the hydrogen tanks uh, uh, underneath the wings. Okay, perfect. So something that you mentioned um, previously is, of course, you know, the low density of hydrogen. And so, for example, you know, when in space um, craft, we have a similar issue that you tend to then have these really big, large hydrogen tanks. 
that are not necessarily very efficient in terms of mass at some point as they get bigger and bigger. So are there any plans to perhaps, you know, liquefy the hydrogen? Um, what are your plans, you know, going forward in terms of trying to minimize the effect of increasing volume as you need more and more hydrogen? Yes, uh, um, the roadmap of the industry and uh, our roadmap includes, uh, of course, using the liquid hydrogen. Uh, but uh, the development of uh, of that technology uh, in terms of uh, application for the commercial uh, air travel, I think is uh, about, uh, I would say, five to ten years away. Okay. Ten years uh, for the uh, real-time demonstration, uh, five years uh, for the uh, real R&D. Uh, and... Uh, um, I think that uh, it's uh, it's it's quite realistic uh, if you look at the uh, at the push, uh, which is uh, um, which governments of uh, of different countries actually uh, create into uh, uh, to make the zero emission travel a reality. Yeah, absolutely, and I think uh, me personally, uh, I I have experience or I know of a project in Germany that was looking specifically at developing uh, cryogenic tanks, storage tanks for hydrogen to be used on um, commercial aircraft. So it's definitely a big area of R&D, as you said, and uh, I'm sure that within the next five to 10 years, we'll have something um, which is feasible. But in terms of, um, you know, I guess the related issue here is the safety, because you were saying that, okay, well, we might have these hydrogen tanks strapped to a wing or underneath a wing. Um, you know, we all have these, you know, images in our head from, you know, from the early 20th century when the, that Hindenburg um, aircraft, you know, went up in flames. But, you know, so what, what is the safety um, associated with hydrogen? Is there an increased risk or is it basically the same as just having a normal jet fuel? So if you think about the Hindenburg uh, 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 accident, incident, I think that... Uh, you need to uh, actually uh, remember that it wasn't hydrogen which uh, actually caused uh, uh, the fire, but uh, but the shell of the uh, of the zeppelin, right? Yes, absolutely. Uh, but uh, but if you look at, at the safety, safety is uh, our you know everybody's uh, concern and uh, everybody's focus. Uh, if you think about hydrogen, hydrogen is uh, the the lightest molecule, okay. So if it's uh, put in the air, it just uh, goes up as high as possible. So what is important uh, to make sure that uh, it doesn't just get collected somewhere at the top of the, of the roof or at the top of the cockpit. And uh, if you have enough ventilation, uh, hydrogen will go away and will be um, dispersed in the atmosphere. Okay, mm -hmm. so from that standpoint, uh, if you have enough uh, ventilation and you prevent, uh, uh, in case of any leak, uh, uh, the accumulation of hydrogen somewhere at the top uh, of uh, of the room uh, of the uh, of the lab, uh, uh, then uh, you uh, you pretty much uh, solve uh, solve the uh, ninety plus percent of the uh, of the issues. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, there are also uh, other benefits of uh, hydrogen in terms of uh, uh, improved safety. So, for example, uh, hydrogen has uh, uh, significantly um, 
uh, higher temperature for uh, for uh, burning and uh, than the kerosene. It doesn't have vapors, uh, which are flammable and combustible. And uh, apart from that, uh, the, the the temperature of the flame is uh, actually significantly uh, significantly lower uh, uh, than uh, for the traditional fuel. And uh, when it uh, uh, burns, it actually doesn't produce uh, um, sort of the explosion uh, effect uh, because uh, uh, the byproduct of the burning of uh, hydrogen uh, is actually vapor products. So uh, at the end of the day, what you will uh, end up with uh, uh, in the room is not the uh, explosion uh, if hydrogen burns, but uh, uh, you know, even uh, you can, uh, it's it, it's more like the, not the implosion, but uh, uh, the expansion, slight expansion in terms of the, uh, in terms of the byproducts. And that's actually the, one of the reasons why uh, hydrogen is not uh, uh, probably going, uh, is not going to be used uh, in the turbines. Because, uh, because uh, uh, if you think about the traditional uh, fuel, it actually expands uh, quite heavily, uh, uh, quite significantly uh, when it uh, when it burns uh, and uh, drives the traditional turbines. And uh, uh, hydrogen uh, or water vapors, in this case, uh, uh, they don't uh, they don't expand as much. Oh right. Okay. okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So um, I'm just wondering. So what is the the current um, development status um, of the project? So how far along your roadmap um, are you? And you know, what are your plans? Um, you know, for the for the coming year, for the for the near term future. So we have uh, uh, tested in the air uh, our electrical powertrain. Uh, we also tested uh, the the fuel cell system. Uh, uh, together with this uh, electrical powertrain, we uh, we will do the uh, demonstration. Uh, we we uh, after we got the UK grant uh, uh, to uh, actually localize the hydrogen fuel cell uh, powertrain uh, uh, development uh, in UK. We moved our operations uh, to uh, to uh, UK to Cranfield. Mm -hmm. It's uh, we allocated at Cranfield our airspace solutions uh, at Cranfield University, and uh, next month uh, uh, in April we are going to uh, uh, to perform the first uh, uh, fuel cell uh, flight here in UK, and uh, by the end of the summer in uh, August uh, September uh, we are going to uh, uh, to do the demonstration of the uh, 300 nautical mile flight uh, between Orkney Islands. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the airports in uh, Scotland. The reason why uh, Orkney Islands uh, was chosen because one of our partners uh, uh, in the um, uh, consortium is AMEC, uh, European uh, uh, Marine Energy Center, which is uh, which has uh, a very significant expertise in uh, hydrogen and in hydrogen infrastructure. But uh, even what is more important is that. Uh, uh, they have uh, means to produce uh, zero uh, or green hydrogen uh, out of the renewable power generation, which um, uh, at some point earlier I described the situation, which is uh, um, uh, which is quite uh, commonplace in Orkney, 
when uh, the electricity prices uh, are zero or even negative. So there is uh, an abundance of uh, renewable power generation. So this is as far as uh, our plans uh, uh, this year, and uh, we will do the demonstration with the, um, with the existing six-seater uh, Piper. And uh, uh, in parallel, we are starting the 19-seater uh, program, uh, with, uh, uh, which uh, will have uh, uh, about uh, three and a half times uh, uh, bigger power uh, of, uh, uh, of, uh, of the engine. And uh, the 19-seater will have two engines instead of one, uh, as in the Piper. Okay. Are there any plans to already use the uh, 19-seater commercially, or will that still be an R&D um, project? So it will be an R&D project, uh, uh, and uh, uh, we have uh, in our plans to actually go through the certification of that power plant and uh, achieve certification uh, in uh, 2023. Mm -hmm. And uh, after that, we will be able to fly um, commercial routes. And uh, we have uh, multiple discussions with different uh, uh, airlines, and uh, uh, they're happy to utilize our power plant um, when we certify uh, 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 with uh, with authorities, with uh, FAA, ACCA, and um, of course, uh, before that, it uh, it will be basically for the market surveying and uh, and uh, the um, uh, R and D test bed. Yeah, absolutely. I think a 19-seater aircraft would probably already have kind of commercial interest in terms of just travel um, within the UK, you know, kind of, kind of like from the south of England to Scotland or something like that. So, um, no, it sounds like um, things are progressing very, very quickly. Um, and I'm, you know, looking very much forward to how um, things develop at Zero Avia. But how can, you know, every, everybody else, you know, online keep up to date with um, your developments? So, um I think that we uh, we have our website, we have our web page uh, on uh, on Facebook. Uh, we uh, we are regularly covered in uh, in major press. For example, we had uh, uh, an article in Forbes. We had an article in Times. Uh, we are participating in different working groups, uh, including uh, uh, the uh, working groups uh, um, at the uh, UK government. Uh, and um, just, uh, you know, stay uh, stay posted. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I first heard of you when I went on the website of the Royal Aeronautical Society, um, who also wrote an article about you. And that was a fascinating article about, you know, your company and, and your vision. So I recommend um, all our listeners to uh, check that out, as well as the um, the articles in Forbes and the Times. Well, uh, Sergey, thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. I've personally learned a lot. Um, and um, yeah, I wish you all the best for the future. Thank you very much. And uh, let's keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. If you would like to learn more about Zero Avia, then head over to airspaceengineeringblog.com forward slash podcast, where you will find show notes about everything we discussed in today's episode. And if you enjoy the Aerospace Engineering Podcast, then there are a number of ways you can support it. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're tuning in. You can share it on social media with your friends and family, or you can support the podcast directly on Patreon. And with that, thank you very much for listening and talk to you next time.